Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he's entered into an area that's filled with pagan worshipers. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Well, Father, thank you for showing us the path to faith. Strengthen our hearts. We trust you. We must believe you. And let victory reign in us as we see the defeat of our adversary. He will be defeated completely in every person's life here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now notice this woman and her, uh, her way of addressing Jesus. O Lord, son of David. She came from a pagan, demon-worshipping culture. That was the style of life that she lived. Very little doubt that in that pagan culture, her practice of worshipping devils and idols opened the door for the devil to attack her daughter and possess her daughter. It's pretty commonplace. Then listen to the words of Scripture. Jesus responded, he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged them, saying, send her away for... She cries out after us. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came up and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. In all the scripture, perhaps two, maybe three times at most, you hear Jesus say these words, great is your faith. In Calvary, you cannot fake it. You have to faith it. The word speaks of faith in a variety of dimensions. Words of, the word speaks of faith being no faith, of small faith, of great faith. If nothing else, the word is very clear for without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whatever it is you're expecting God to do, the answer you need, listen, without faith, it will be impossible to receive it. Faith is a key word in this story. So Jesus himself asked the question related to our faith, and he's speaking of, of course, the end of days, which we're living in. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Wow, what a challenging question for us in these last days. I'd like to apply that to our everyday walk. Will Jesus find faith in us every Sunday morning? Will Jesus find faith in us Monday through Saturday as we go about the business of life? Jesus is looking for faith. Will Jesus find faith on Wednesday night when we gather as a family? Anything we do that is not of faith gets nowhere with Jesus. And anytime Jesus shows up, he's looking for faith. Even when he comes back, he's going to be looking for faith. Faith in our prayers, faith in our worship of him, faith in what he is able to do. We have to fight for our faith. There is a demonic assault on our faith today. In fact, we're being challenged that we really don't have any faith today. And Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. The psalmist said, I believed, therefore I spoke. 
So if you believe, you will speak what you believe. That's what's going to come out of you. You can't speak defeat, fear, doubt, failure out of your mouth and believe something different in your heart. In your heart. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. So you must speak faith if you're going to activate faith. And it's time for us to start speaking what we desire for God to do for us in our lives, what his will says he will do. That's what we place our trust upon, what he says he will do. Now, when Israel was encouraged to possess the promised land and failed, they gave all kinds of excuses for why they did not enter the promised land. Listen to their excuses. There are strong people there. There are walled cities there. We cannot enter into the promised land and successfully take it because there are giants that live there. The land eats up its inhabitants. Never seen that one before. I don't know how land does that, but that land evidently did. It's time to quit justifying our failures. And it's time to quit, listen, making excuses for a lack of productivity. It's time to understand that it's faith, faith, action, faith. If things are not going right, you have to use your faith because we are in a faith fight and we must stop massaging our mediocrity and our failure and saying, well, I have a right to fail in this economy. Oh, no, you don't. Faith works in any economy. You might not like this, but this is where God's word takes us. It's faith in God's word. You have to apply faith in what God says. His word works no matter where you live. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these things shall be added unto you. You have to apply faith in what he says, and you can't fake it. So never disagree with the man who says he can. And don't argue with the man who says he can't. Because both of them are right. Of the 12 spies that went into the promised land, 10 spies came back and said, we can't, and they didn't. Two of the 12 spies came back after seeing the same obstacles that were there, and they said, we can, and they did. If you're saying, I can't, you're right. If you're saying, I can, you're right. So it's up to you. It's really up to you. Who were the two? What were the names of the two who made it into the promised land? Name them. Okay. Now, can anybody name one of the ten men who did not make it in? Why? Why can't anybody tell me their names? They're in the Bible. Nobody cares. That's why. <laughs> Nobody remembers those who are always saying, we can't. You don't build monuments to we can't people. And you'll lose if all you speak about is why we can't do this. Why don't you speak what we can do and take God at his word? We can build, we can grow, we can reach, we can do the impossible with God. We can. A young, inexperienced, and ill-informed young minister, newly credentialed, came into a certain community, and he met with a local lead pastor and the young minister said to the seasoned warrior, I think I want to start a church here. How many people will you give me to start my church? And the seasoned pastor looked at the young minister and said, 
How big of a zero can you draw? Okay. That's how I feel about the devil. He looks to assault and steal everything you have. We ought to be saying, devil, how big of a zero can you draw? I'm not giving you my relationship to Jesus. I'm not giving you my marriage. I'm not giving to you my children. I'm not giving you my finances. I am not conceding defeat in any area. Satan, how big of a zero can you draw? That is faith. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. That is his word. Now, we can't afford it. It costs too much. That's too big. With faith, it's never impossible. We see the perspective of the people. Big walls, giants, the land eats up its inhabitants. And that's what they said was the reason for failing to go into the promised land for their inheritance. Now look at God's perspective as to why they did not go into the promised land. He said, you know why that you could not enter in? Do you understand why, the reason why you didn't enter in? No mention of giants, no mention of walled cities, the Hittites, Moabites, Skeeterbites. He doesn't mention any of the ites. God gave them one good reason they did not enter into the promised land. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because if you believe God's commands, giants can't keep you out. If you believe God, walls can't keep you out. If you believe God, clicks can't keep you out. If you believe God, racism can't keep you out. If you believe God, lack of education can't keep you out. If you believe God, the only thing that can keep you out is unbelief. My God is mighty. My God is supernatural. Don't forget who God is. You must believe that he is. Told you the missionary ran out of gas, no fuel, in a very dangerous gang-controlled area south of the border. Very strong cartel area. And of course, he was very concerned and frightened because he's stuck, and he knows these people kidnap, they murder. Uh, this is a very dangerous place he's in. There's no fuel place to fuel up anywhere near him. Said, I hear a bobbling brook nearby, and I grab a one-gallon fuel container I have in the back of my vehicle, and I run over there and get some water, and I dumped it in my gas tank. He said, and I prayed, hey, God, if you can turn water into wine, you can turn water into gasoline, okay? And he turned over his engine, and lo and behold, it cranked. It started, and it got him safely to the next village where there was fuel and where he was scheduled to speak, and he was safe. And somebody for sure has said, I don't believe that. That's why you don't have anything remotely looking like that ever happening in your life. You have to believe God is your provider. You know your God does the supernatural. That doesn't mean you fill up on your way home today and tempt the Lord your God. <laughs> but he will help you while you're doing his will and a crisis appears. It's like, you know, you don't jump off the pinnacle of the temple because the devil goes, you know, he'll cast, he'll catch you. Now, if you're doing his will and something happens, you can depend on him to step in. See, there are three ingredients of faith in this story. There's the persistence, there's the worship. She worshiped Jesus, there's the perception. And persistence is a major ingredient of faith. Sometimes great faith is just keeping on, keeping on. You just keep plowing. You just keep going. 
Great faith is sticking with it. Great faith is not quitting. Great faith doesn't walk away when it gets tough. Faith is persistence. Faith is worship. Worship is the language of faith. Worship is what we do when we don't know what to do. We worship God and magnify him instead of magnifying what we're looking at, the issues we face. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. So if you don't have persistence, and you don't have worship, you lack ingredients of faith. Those are two major components. Then there's this other mighty ingredient, perception. One writer said, faith is a defiant disregard for disadvantage. Wow. Faith is a defiant disregard for disadvantage. It's the ability to overlook obstacles and remain focused on the objective. It's the continuing under conflicting circumstances. You continue to do what God's assigned you. This is faith. So if you're taking notes, please comprehend this with me. The number one hindrance to our faith because we've got it ingrained in us. It's come out of our religious heritage and background that we can only have what we deserve. It's a great reason many never launch their faith because people have this sense we can only receive from God what we deserve. If you believe that, you will, if you believe that and comprehend that and that begins a part of your DNA, listen, you'll excuse yourself and say, I don't deserve it. You'll disqualify yourself. You'll exempt yourself. God won't do it for me because I've not been what I should have been. I have fallen. I have failed. So God's not going to do it for me because I don't deserve it. Listen, we would all be crispy critters if God judged us on what we deserve. Calvary and the nail prints in Jesus' hands purchased everything this book promises. Healing, victory, miracles, and overcoming life all are purchased at Calvary. So it's come to us through his nail-scarred hands. It's come to us by his blood. Jesus sacrificed for us. You and I will never deserve it. So quit disqualifying yourself from the benefits of faith because you feel you don't deserve it. There's only one time in God's word where Jesus shut shouting and praise down in a service. Only one time. It's when his disciples came back with a report. Seventy of them came back and held church. The Seventy returned with joy, saying, "Even Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were overjoyed. They were thrilled. They were shouting. They were worshiping. They threw devils under the bus. And Jesus shut down the shout. Stop. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Because they were talking about what they did. If you rejoice in what you do, you might shout today, but you'll be depressed by tonight. (laughs) That's how messed up people are. If you can worship about how good you performed, listen, you're going to have days where you really got with it, and other days when you can't feel anything in your spirit stirring you to worship. Hear Jesus, let your rejoicing be over what I have done for you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice over what you do. Rejoice over what he has done. Worship because he's worthy. And when we fail a test, he's worthy. When we don't measure up, he's worthy. When we're not what we ought to be, he's worthy. 
A Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus, and this is this perception. She comes to Jesus, and she's not a Jewess. She had no right to claim anything from the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. And she, on top, top it off, she dabbled in demonology. That's what her culture was noted for. She was a heathen. Now watch this. Get to the place where your need is greater than your disadvantage. Your need is larger than, is what, than what is against you. This is where this lady was. Jesus come to the hour where pedigree and background, no, doesn't make any difference to him. What matters is, do you use faith? Do you use faith to come to him? He who comes to him must believe. Not your background, not where you're coming from, not what's happened to you in your past. What matters to Jesus, do you have any faith? So she attempts to fake it. Now watch her words. She was not a Jewess but she started using Jewish terminology to try to connect with Jesus. Jesus, Lord, son of David. <laughs> That's a pedigree in scripture. Any Jew would take you all the way back to David. They understood the pedigree. That's why blind Bartimaeus said when Jesus comes by, Jesus, son of David. They listed their pedigree. And as a heathen, she tried to use this door opener by saying, son of David. She was using the language of the Jew. She was not a Jew by lineage, but at least there was an acknowledgement on her part of Jesus' lineage, and she used it. Son of David. So in approaching Jesus like this, she thought, I'll say the magic words. Bam. Jesus, son of David. Listen, there's more to receiving from God than right terminology. God needs you to do more than talk a good game. Well, pastor, praise the Lord. Hey, God's pouring out his Holy Spirit. And all the Christian lingo has said, listen to me, words mean little to God without a heart of faith. You can say religious stuff and be faking it. Getting the words right is not what this is about. Notice what happened when she approached Jesus like that. Jesus, son of David, I'm one of you. I acknowledge your lineage. I have a right to tap in and approach you because I'm using the right lingo. I identify with you. But watch Jesus' response. But he answered her, not a word. Silence. He ignored her request. Not a word. Nothing. When you approach God with the right words, but not with the right heart, pretending and faking like you deserve it, because you're saying the right words, therefore I deserve it. You will not get that prayer answered. So she goes to the disciples and she says, put in a word for me. Would you ask Jesus to do this for me? I mean, if we can't get to Jesus to answer our prayer, we can go looking for one of the pastors and, 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 and you're in with Jesus, right? Put a word in for me. Jesus' disciples said, here's the word. Jesus Get rid of this woman. Get her out of here. <laughs> and finally, Jesus says something to her. But he answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said to her, you're not an Israelite. You're not a sheep. In other words, you're a goat. And watch the next sentence. 
Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Did you catch that? She worshipped Jesus. For what? For being rejected, being insulted, being ignored, for being called a goat? What was she worshipping Jesus for? Not for what he had done for her. He hadn't done a thing for her. She worshipped Jesus for who he was. Not for what he had done. Not for who she was. She worshipped him for who he was. You can ignore me, Jesus. You can insult me, Jesus. But you're still God, and I'm still going to worship you. And if you don't answer my prayer, I'm still going to worship you. Even if you don't respond at all, I will worship you. That's faith. See, that's faith. Faith is getting past your hurt feelings and pressing in. And after she worshiped Jesus, even though he was not responding to her, watch, this is amazing. But he answered her and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He called her for what she was. Little dogs means you're a heathen outside the family of God. You can't get in. You're on the outside trying to get in using a password. Now, she isn't just a goat. She's a dog. She's an outsider. She's unclean. You cannot come near me. So Jesus begins to move on. He's done. Over. Story ends. No. Watch this. She clears her throat. Truth comes out this time. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. She recognized her approach was wrong. The passwords were not going to work. She could not pass for a Jewess. Religious praise and worship and performance and all the right words, the right look. Mm -mm. And she was not the first to have done this because listen to the words of Jesus. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. We cannot receive from God until we come in faith and we say, I don't deserve anything. I've been cold, indifferent, detached, uncommitted, not praying regularly, not paying tithes, not reading your word, showing up only when it's convenient. And then Jesus' ears perked up. Because you can't fake it. You have to faith it to Jesus. You have to be honest. And she says to him, that's true, Lord. That's true. The only way I can get my needs met through Jesus, an honest heart, that's what I am. I'm an outsider. I don't belong. I'm a heathen. It's true. But the only way you come to Jesus is with an honest heart. Just say, that's true, Lord. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I'm not worthy of it. I've said stuff. I've said things, and I've thought things, and, and, and I've done stuff. And truth is, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm just a mess. So prior, earlier in the story, before, when she speaks to Jesus, Son of David! Not a word of response. Now she comes to him again. And her words to him are, Truth, Lord. You don't have to be something you're not. Be transparent. 
You're not trying to be sister righteous or brother perfect or sister holy. Truth, Lord, I'm a mess. I need help. And quit posing as someone you're not. Take the mask off. Truth is, listen, he, what he's looking for is openness, honesty, warts and all. Rip off the mask. Here I am. Truth, Lord, I am a heathen. But even the dogs get the crumbs. And this will change your prayer life. And as you have your prayer times, remember this word I'm preaching to you today. Let it get embedded in you. And she replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. She said, I don't need to sit up here with you at your table. I don't need to do that. I know I don't deserve to sit here at your table with you. But Lord, just a word is a crumb of your power. I'm not asking for something big. I'm not asking for you to break a sweat. She's recognizing the amazing potential of our God. And she said, Jesus, this is but a crumb from off of your table. All it takes is a crumb. The problem with my child who's on drugs, the one dabbling in sinful practices, won't respond to me, doesn't respond in a way where I need to bring them, reel them back in. They're all messed up. All it takes because of your amazing potent power is a crumb for you to do what I'm asking is a crumb for you to get me the help I need for that promotion is a crumb and she said Lord this crumb of a request is for this desperate mom that's right here asking you I can't turn my girl around she's demon possessed devils have got a hold of her and you know we think our issues are so massive And so huge, if God would just get me out of debt, if God would just help me, Lord, I I know this one's going to take a massive miracle from heaven before anything like this happened. For my God, that's nothing but a crumb. Ask largely of the Lord. He's God, and we can always expect him to do something amazing. Because to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What power in us? The power of the Holy Spirit that produces faith to believe God. God, save save our children. God, save our lost ones. For him, it's as easy as dropping a crumb off his bountiful table. And what is on his table is all yours. Not just the crumbs. Creator and owner of it all, his table is set with the bounty of everything available. So to receive your healing is on his table. To close that deal is on his table. And I've said to the Lord in the past, Lord, we need the finances so we can build our new facilities. Lord, it's a lot of money. I don't know how we can get this kind of money to do this. I'm telling God how big of a deal this is to build our new campus. And after I unloaded this for a few minutes, then I heard him say, crumb. The gold and the silver are mine. The wealth of the earth is mine. I have the resources necessary in my church to take care of whatever you need for that campus. A new job, a promotion, favor, crumbs off the table. 
But we've become such a culture in the church. We're tuned to, into unbelief. And here's how we express ourselves. What God did was unbelievable. Really? Or someone finished their new building and they built an unbelievable church. Or we had an unbelievable service. God in heaven is saying, hey, I haven't strained one muscle doing what you asked me to do. It takes but a crumb of my power to take care of everything in your life. But you have to come with faith, not fakery. You come to me with faith. So my prayer, Father, for you this is but a crumb. It's not too hard for you. Favor and bless my children. Heal our bodies. Provide for our family. Start comprehending the greatness of our God. And when Jesus said, this woman has great faith. Why? Because she got it. The miracle is nothing but a crumb. Off of the bountifulness of his table. Nothing but a crumb. What I've been worrying myself sick over, filled my heart with anxiety over, for you, God, it's just a crumb. Because for you, God, it's nothing. So then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. And here's what Jesus did. Pre-cross, pre-crucifixion, he reached all around Gethsemane, reached all around the bloody cross at Calvary, all the way into the new dispensation of the age of grace reached into the future of this woman and pulled into, pulled into her today, into her moment, into her now, the blessings of the future, which she's about now to gain for the whole world. And he said, because you have faith, because you acknowledge I'm able with a crumb to grant your request, you have recognized by faith who I am. Woman, that is great faith. So let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Before you get to your home, your daughter will have been set free from that devil. That addiction is broken. Free. Because your faith is great. And you expressed it to me in those terms that made me to know you have great faith because your faith and trust is in me, not in you. Wow. Anybody here today feel like expressing your faith in the same God because the same God that shared with this woman from that part of the world, the heathen world, about faith and such response delivered her daughter from a devil without ever having to go to her house. That same God's in the house today. And he's looking for faith. Does anybody here have faith? Does anybody here believe? Does anybody here want to shake off the 
religiosity of words and checking all the boxes, saying all the right words, or trying to tell God, you know, you know, I've been I've been regular to church, God, and and just say, Lord, no, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. I'm here to worship you by faith. And if you'll just knock one crumb off that table, that's all it's going to take. Because of who you are, take care of this for me. It's like that. So why don't some people just jump up here today and lift your hands and express some faith to the Lord. Take a moment and express some faith to the Lord. Come on, express some faith to the Lord. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, persistently, don't quit, people, seek him.